0: We've been in a series called Reach One since we started the beginning of this year. The main idea and the goal behind this is that we make it a goal in our lives, that we make it a high priority in 2018, that we want to reach at least one with the message of Jesus this year. Here's the goal that I've laid out for you is that with God's help, and my church's support, I'll do my best to reach one. Now, you stop and think about that. With God's help, and others are saying, there's no way to do this by myself. I have to have help of God. It's not in my strength, it's in His strength. And then with my church's support, so as we try to reach our community in the name of Jesus, we do that together. It's an effort that we work at together, and then I'll do my best. So I have to put my best foot forward and do my best. Week one, we talked about identifying a person. How do we identify a person? We do that through prayer. We pray and we ask God, God, you have people in my life. Is it my husband? Is it my wife? My son, my daughter, my neighbor, my coworker, my friend. Who is it, God, you have in my life that I need to help reach them with the name of Jesus? It may be to help them cross that line of faith and come to Jesus for the first time. It may be to help them get back on their desire or their path with Jesus. It may be to help them just take a step with Jesus. But we identify one person through prayer, and then we start inviting that person. Talking about last week, we invite that one to maybe have a cup of coffee and sit down and talk about spiritual matters or, or things of, of importance in life. And as we develop that friendship with that one person, then we start having some significant discussions about life, more than business or more talking about sports or, or talking about the weather. Those are all great surface level friendship things we do, but we say, you know what, I want to take that relationship deeper as the Lord guides and the Lord directs, and I'll start having that conversation. And I ask you to have that person on your mind. And right now, you may, be, you may be thinking of a person. You may be thinking, yeah, I got that person on my mind. I'm, I'm thinking about them there. Do, do you have it written down? you start praying for that person every single day or that group of people. Because typically what I find is there's four, five, six people that are kind of top of the list that I'm praying for. And I'm praying for them saying, God, I don't know which one it is, but I'm praying for all of them, God. I'll keep praying. And then one of them kind of bubble to the top of that God just makes it so evident. Like Brian, this is the one right now you guys be sharing the gospel with. They need the word of Jesus in their life. And so we pray about that. And I've given some action steps for us. One is to start your list on your phone or a piece of paper. But I just wonder, I need to start doing this. I should just ask you out in a hallway, hey, show me your list. Do you have a list of people that you just have before you, like you've actually put down? Not floating around in the sky, because if you float floated around in the sky, you don't really do it. But when you put something down in writing and say, I'm praying for these people, there's a better chance you'll be praying for them. And then join the Reach One Initiative Facebook group. This is open to everybody. It's a place of sharing and learning and encouraging. And now we made a little change. I've been telling you to send an email because we have been learning about some technology and how it works. But you get into the Facebook group and right there's the, the, what am I trying to say? There's the link. Thank you. You join that Facebook group and what we're going to start doing is that's going to be a place of encouragement. It's going to be a place of teaching. We're going to use live video and teach you how do I share my faith? Okay, we're going to do that. We're going to teach you how about that on video. And that will be recorded so you can catch that at a time that works for you. But that's going to be a place of sharing. And then some of you are really good about sharing your faith. And maybe we'll start doing some interviews and having you share. It'll be a place of, of just sharing Scripture. But I want you to join that group. And so you just right, get on there, click join, join Group, and then we'll approve you to be part of that group. And then Reach One Bracelets. So you have these blue bracelets. There's some in the back on a table to pick one of the blue bracelets up. It says Reach One. That's a prayer reminder. That's just a prayer reminder. You rare that, and that reminds you are you praying for the people? Are you praying for the initiative? We have hundreds of names around this room on these stakes. We started that last fall when we broke ground. Are you praying for the people that are on the stakes that we're doing construction? We're praying, God, you do construction in somebody's life, and God, I'm available if you will just use me. I'm available. God, it's not about going and trying to beat someone's door down or trying to force yourself into someone's life. You say, God, I'm available and I'm praying for these people or I'm praying for the people on my list and I'm going to lift them up. And then to use an invite card. I think we're running low on them, but they're spread around on your chairs. You put a couple of those in your purse or you put them in your wallet. And so when you're having a conversation with somebody, the invite might be, hey, you need to come worship with me. Because as you have conversation, you find out they don't have a church home. Come worship with me. Here's what Jesus said. And these are the words of Jesus. He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. That was his mission. And if we are his disciple and we're a follower of God, then his mission should be our mission. And if he made it such a high priority that he would go and seek and save the lost, that he wanted to go to the cross for you and me, then we should be able to go to the mat for our friends, so to speak. We should be willing to go to the mat for our neighbor, go to the mat for our coworker. We should be able to go and say, I'm going to go for the name of Jesus. Now, let me make you a promise. When you get serious about this, because I've been around church long enough, okay? I've been doing this preaching thing now for 15 years. I've been a minister 25 years. I hate to even think I'm that old. The truth is most of you in here are listening to me, you're not going to do a thing with it. I hate to speak that honestly. The truth is, most of you are sitting here going, yeah, we need to do that, preacher. We need to do that. And you're going to go home, and you're going to go back to your business of today, and you're going to go into your work tomorrow, and you're probably going to forget about it. And the truth is, you probably won't do anything about it. Because that's what Satan does inside of us. He gets us so busy that we don't take it serious. But here's the promise to you. If you do take this serious, and you say in 2018, Lord, I'm going to start praying for people every single day. Lord, I'm going to pray. Lord, you use me. I'm available. When you start praying, you say, Lord, blow up the fear of me of sharing my faith. Lord, give me guts to share my faith. And the first time you jump in and be like, okay, this is really weird. I'm tripping all over myself. You'll get better as you do it. When you do that, one day a friend's going to come to Jesus, and you're going to walk in the waters of baptism, and you're going to baptize them, and your life will be changed like you never experienced before. I promise it. There is nothing more exciting than leading someone in faith and then baptizing them. Nothing more exciting. And I love doing it as a preacher. But I'll tell you, it means a whole lot to me when it's someone personal, like when it was my children. It means a whole lot more to you when it's someone that you know that you've been praying for. It'll get so exciting. But now here's the question. Then what do we do? What do we do now because we have a new baby in Christ What are we supposed to do with that new baby because we do not want to be a church that reaches people and people say, yep, I believe in Jesus, and then we're just done with them. That's like malpractice. That's what that is. And we don't want to do that. And so what, what, what we need to do is we need to learn how to connect new babies in Christ with growing Christians in Christ so that we help them to grow because God has given us his church, which is the body of Christ here on earth. And when one is baptized in Christ, one is baptized into Christ. They're baptized in the body of Christ. And through Christ, we're bound together in a faith community belonging to Christ. And then we belong to each other. And so in that fellowship of one another, we help each other grow. That's actually what took place in the early church in Acts chapter 2. Maybe you recount the story in the account when Peter was preaching to a bunch of pagan people who were against God, who had a whole lot of questions. And he stood up and he actually put a finger in the face and said, You all put Jesus on the cross. You all put him in a grave. So he did. He said, You guys did this, but he conquered the grave for you. And once they come to the part of realizing what they did, their reply was, what must we do to be saved? He said, repent and be baptized, every single one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And the scripture tells us in Acts chapter 2 that 3,000 were added. Could you imagine 3,000 being added in one day? That would be remarkable. But the question is, what did they do with 3,000? They had a whole bunch of new babes in Christ. Did they lay the 3,000 on the ground and say, sorry, to figure it out? Did they say, oh, great, now we have all these new Christ followers, you're on your own? I mean, if you've had a child, could you imagine going to the hospital, having the baby and coming home and taking the baby and sitting on the floor and say, hey, Johnny, good luck, hope you make it. I mean, could you imagine taking that baby and sitting in a high chair and say, hey, feed yourself, get that bottle, you can do it. We would never do that. But why do we do it in the church? For too long, the church has been so excited about people coming to Christ. We had 500 baptisms this year. Where are they at now? Are we helping them grow? And so our job is to, to pray, to find out, identify that one to reach out and invite that one and and get to know them and bring them, hopefully, to a relationship with Jesus and then to walk with them. Look what they did in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods and gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The very first community of believers and the very early church, they gathered together on a regular basis for prayer and study and fellowship. And in Acts 2.44, it says, All that believed were together. They gathered together. It wasn't easy. You know, in the first century, following Christ was not an easy task. Times were tough. Persecution was rampant. The early believers were bound together in fellowship and a community because they needed each other because there was strength in numbers. It, it, was, it was horrendous time to be a Christian. i got to be honest with you, it, it can be extremely challenging for us to follow Christ today and truly live for Him, isn't it? it it's a horrendous time. And times really haven't changed. Maybe it looks a little bit different, but Satan was alive and active then. He's alive and active now, so he makes it difficult to walk with him. To walk with Jesus. It can be extremely challenging to follow Christ and truly live for Him when we have things like discouragement and temptation and sin and apathy and materialism and unbelieving family and friends who are like, why are you doing that? Are you that weak? And doubts and rejection and unanswered questions and a list goes on. That It makes it difficult. And when we face obstacles in our lives to live for the Lord, who do you lean upon? See, if we're going to reach people, we don't want to just reach them. We want to teach them now, how do we walk in Jesus? God has not left us on our own to run this race of life. He has not left us on our own. The Bible is rather clear about how a community of Christ's followers should live. In 242, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The teaching in which they devoted themselves was the message about Jesus Proclaimed by the apostles. They devoted themselves to the teaching that God sent his son Jesus to this earth. That for whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. They devoted themselves to that teaching. They devoted them to it and understood then what are those words and what are those actions and what does the teaching of the Lord mean? The breaking of bread is in reference to the Lord's Supper that they observed. It also referred to other times when they gathered around a common meal. That's why Christians like to eat together. Teaching, fellowship, praying to the Lord's table They're all part of the, the focal part of a Christian community. In his book, The Connecting Church, author Randy Frazee writes, The experience of authentic community is one of the purposes God intends to be fulfilled by the church. The writings of Scripture lead one to conclude that God intends the church not to be one more bolt on the wheel activity in our lives, but the very hub at the center of one's life. In other words, for us American Christians, is the choice to be here today is just, well, it was an open Sunday, so I was available to be at a church, or was this a top priority and you put something else off? But see, in America, what we do is they we say, well, I have this activity, that activity, work calling, and God, I'll catch up to you when I can catch up to you. But in a Christian community, we say, no, we, we value gathering together as a community. See, the church or local community of believers is essential to our spiritual well-being. Let me say that again. It is essential to your spiritual well-being. In the New Testament, there are no lone ranger Christians. There's not. It doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. Believers needed each other and God expected them to be there for each other and likewise, we need each other and we need to be here for one another and God expects us to be here for one another. God has ordained that we play a vital part in each other's life and growing in Christ. Look what's commanded in Hebrews 10.25. Do not, do not give up meeting together as some are to have a doing, but let us encourage one another. You know, sometimes you come in here on a Sunday, or maybe you go to your growth group, and you go, I don't feel like getting up today. Truth be told, the preacher has those days. It's like, can someone else preach? I want to sleep in. I want to stay up and watch the game last night. Whatever. Or there's days when a small group or a Bible study comes in. I don't really want to go. Do you know when you honor the Lord and you go, even when you don't feel like it, God does something in that. He does something more than you, can, than you even understand. You and I understand. I, we pray often when we're gathering before church. That just the handshake that is shared, or the smile that is shared, or a hug that is shared, or a conversation that is shared, or the joking around that is shared, that there's encouragement because God lifts your heart and your spirit and your soul when you obey His Word. And I'll tell you, when there's times when you're like, I don't feel like going, that's the time you really need to go. That's the time when you have to say, Satan, get away from me, I'm going. And you get and you gather together. See, they were united in Christ into a community of faith. Indwelt by the Holy Spirit means that the Holy Spirit possessed them, they possessed the mind of Christ. They made every effort to be led by God's Spirit and to think and to act like Christ. Consequently, God used this community of believers of faith to do some miraculous, powerful things in the lives of countless believers living in a pagan, godless world. Again, the world's not changed. It's still a pagan, godless world that we live in. And they realize we've got to gather together. God's plan hasn't changed. He still desires to use His church to do some powerful things in our lives. Community of faith is crucial to that spiritual well-being. Through it... God desires that we find strength for the journey, that we find places to minister then a never-ending source of guidance, that we pray for, that we invite people, we reach out to people, we say, now, come join our community. As they join the community of faith, they start to get connected to God's community, they start finding strength for the journey, and places to minister, and godly guidance. Let me talk about those three great benefits. Strength for the journey, as we face inevitable trials, troubles, Tragedy, sickness, difficulty, hardship, financial ruin. Whatever it is, when you face those kinds of things, we need to be around each other. Sometimes it's the only way to get through it. I think about what happened last fall in our church with one of our families as we lost Christy Williams at the age of 35 years old. She leaves home, leaves behind a husband and two boys, a teenage boy and a 12-year-old boy. And Brian's fairly new in his faith. How do you make that through without a group of people around you? I am so glad that they had Christian people around them because you know what happened? Their growth group, because all their families out in California, their growth group cooked all the food. Their growth group took care of all the funeral stuff. Their growth group surrounded around. Their growth group went and cleaned his house. Their growth group served him for a couple months of meals. And a continuous day to reach out and say, how can we help you? You're still adjusting to life. I don't know how you make it through that trial of life unless you have Christians who have gathered around you and they're supporting you and they're encouraging you so there's strength for the journey and there's trials that are going to come. The Bible even tells us that when you face trials of many kinds. In other words, there's a promise in Scripture that we're going to face trials. We're going to have hardships. It's going to happen. Psalmist David knew his his share of difficult and painful times that tested his faith and sometimes... Caused it to waver. In Psalm 61, two, he cried out to God for help, saying, I call to you as my heart grows faint. In other words, to say that is, God, I'm calling out to you. I'm not really sure if you're there. God, I'm not really sure if I'm strong enough. God, my heart is growing faint. And overwhelmed by those trials and those heartaches and the burdens of life, he called out to God for help and strength. Then in verse 5, he rejoiced because God answered his plea. He says, you have given to me, he said, the heritage of those who fear your name. In other words, he cries out, I "said I need help. And he says, but you put people around me. You put people of heritage, people of faith around me. And so that has strengthened me because of the people around me, God has strengthened his faith faith and empowered him. During the difficult times, when we're overwhelmed by the trials of life, by the heartaches and the burdens of life, we need to be strengthened by people around us. When we wonder, God, are you really there? When we wonder, God, do you really care? When we wonder, God, do you really love me? When we wonder that I am worthless and I have no purpose in life, we need some Christians around us that come along and say, no, God really does care. We need some Christians that say, no, he really does love you. Yes, you're going through a hard time, but I'm walking with you in that journey. You can't walk through that by yourself. Sometimes when your faith is so down, you need to lean upon the faith of other people. You need them to lift you up. Author Gary Berge says, when God's love feels distant or non-existent, the body of Christ's love is real and tangible. So sometimes when you have that moment, like, God, I don't even know if you exist. I can't even feel you. You can feel a a hug. You can feel a handshake. You can feel the the note of encouragement or the text of encouragement or the prayer of a loved one that's in the church. They lift you up. That's why we cannot afford to stand alone, church. And when we reach out and bring somebody in, we don't want to just bring them in and say, "Ah, we celebrate their salvation. And we want to connect them to the life-giving entity of the body of Christ. In Leadership Magazine, Carl Conner writes about the dangers of standing alone. A few winters ago, heavy snows hit North Carolina. Following a wet six-inch snowfall, it was interesting to see the effect along I-40. Next to the highway stood several large groves of tall, young pine trees. The branches were bowed down with the heavy snow, so low that branches from one tree were often leaning against the trunk of branches of another. Where trees stood alone, however, the effect of the heavy snow was different. The branches had become heavier and heavier. Since there were no other trees to lean against, the branches snapped. They laid on the ground, dark and alone in the cold snow. When the storms of life hit, we need to be standing close to other Christians. We need each other. We can't stand alone. I love that illustration. You've seen stuff like that before. See, the closer we stand in community, the more we'll be able to hold each other up. and throughout our lives I promise there's going to be difficult times and there's hard times and so we need one another and we need to have an open mindset that says when someone comes to the body of Christ come on in, you get part of our community we're going to help you walk with Christ the second benefit of being in a Christian community is places to minister see the community of faith is crucial to our spiritual well-being because it is the place where we find special opportunities to minister if you live by yourself all you do is take care of yourself And quite honestly, it's not a fulfilling life. But when you get in and you get around people and you get around people in the church, you get finding there's ways to minister and to love people. Author Chappelle wrote, Those in a community of faith do not merely absorb Christ's love individually. Their changed lives also reflect His love corporately. Our union with Christ creates community responsibilities. So when we come together, we're entering into some responsibility to love for, and to care, and to encourage and to minister one another. Acts 2.44 says all the believers were together and had everything in common. Everything in common. Their, their ministry to each other included sharing of material goods to meet temporal needs. The early church shared so much extensively because of the economic and the social sanctions that were imposed upon the early believers. The government were, was oppressing new Christians and the only way to make it through life was to share food and to share resources and share clothing and share, share your house. It was a Christian's best ministry was to share, and that created a testimony you say, you're making it through this difficult time because of what other people are doing to help you. And you know, that's still true today. When you're going through a hardship or a difficulty and you could tell people, yeah, I made it through because my church helped me with this. They provided food. They gave me clothing. They paid a bill. They helped me make it through in this difficult time. When that testimony comes out, they say, your church does that? Yeah, my church does that. Then your testimony is about Jesus' work in your life through the body of Christ. See, if we're not ministering to one another through a community of faith, then many needs go unmet. Many of them will go unmet, and many reach the erroneous conclusion that God doesn't care about them church, may I suggest, please, please, do not miss trials and difficulties in somebody's life. Do not miss them. And I got to tell you, as your preacher, I try to be aware of as many as we can in the church, but we're getting too many people for me able to keep track of all of them. And so the part of you being in a growth group, I'm going to talk about in a minute, is so crucial because that's where your growth group says, oh, this is going on. And there are many times I'll, I find out months down the road that someone went through a trial or difficulty and said, yeah, our growth group could care about. it. I say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because when you see someone hurting, it's an opportunity for you to minister and bring the love of Christ. And then they have a testimony and say, look what my church did. Because we are a body of believers. And so keep your eyes open when you see a need. Thirdly, third benefit of being part of a great community is godly guidance. See, the community of faith is crucial to our well-being because it is a source of much-needed guidance. It's a source of direction. It's a source of correction. As someone has aptly said, we need the community of believers because none of us is smart as all of us. heard that before. And so we learn together. Psalm 73, 24 says, You shall guide me with your counsel. Where does counsel come from? According to the book of Proverbs, counsel comes in a many multitude of wisdom, of counselors who are faith people. And so as you have counselors, people of faith that are around you, they speak the word of God into you. See, God wants to guide us, but he has chosen to do it through his people in a community of faith. A community of faith who trusts upon the word of God. He gives us wisdom for the journey as we study his word and as we pray together. He gives us wisdom. And what happens is when you get around other people who are loving God and pursuing God through the scriptures, you raise a question or you say, here's a need within my life. And you go, I don't know what the Bible says. Someone else says, well, the Bible speaks this because you know parts of the Bible that I don't know. And you know parts of the Bible that your friend doesn't know. And together, we gain an understanding of who God is and what God's trying to do in our lives. And so he guides us to proper priorities and proper values and morals and ethics, how to live in this life by using the Christian community to guide us in godly wisdom. The guidance we receive through that faith is absolutely essential to our well-being. Absolutely essential. Hebrews 3.13 says, exhort one another actually means to teach the word of God to one another, exhort one another that none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. In other words, use the word of God to teach one another how to live in this life. Use the word of God to teach one another how to love God. Use the word of God to teach one another how to be a parent. Use the word of God to teach one another how to love a friend. Use the word of God how to handle finances. Teach each other, what does the word of God say about situations of life? Now, let me give you a warning. I say get in a community. And I believe it's highly important and it's essential. But there's some difficulties when you get in a community. And let me just say, if you're investigating a church, we're not the perfect church. We mess it up all the time. All the time. I'm just telling you up front. Being in a community of faith has difficulties and it has frustrations. It can't be otherwise since we're made up of sinners. We are all a bunch of messed up people in this room. Now some of you I know you don't think so. All right, but we are. Every single one of us have our shortcomings. Every single one of us have our sins. And that's a mark of true biblical community. When we're all just kind of messed up people trying to figure out how to follow God and let Him direct our lives. That's a true community. But in our humanness, we do things the wrong way and we do things that will rub people wrong and will offend people. And sometimes we get offended or sometimes we do the offending. Sometimes we hurt people or sometimes we do the, they do the hurting. But nevertheless, we must never back away from the fellowship of faith. Never. That's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to draw away from the fellowship of faith and say, forget those people, they're a bunch of hypocrites. Forget those people, they did this, they did that. They didn't respond in this way and Satan loves to use that in us. We must not go down that road. Kind of like a bunch of porcupines. That's what our plight is. One author said a group of porcupines were marooned one bitter cold night in the middle of a large frozen field. There was no way to escape the biting wind. They could not burrow into the frozen ground. As they huddled together to keep warm, their sharp quills began to pinch and hurt. The closer they moved together, the more the pain increased. Some of the animals could not bear the pain and drew apart to sleep alone. In the morning, they had frozen to death. Let that sink in for a moment. It may have been you. Maybe today you're here searching your way back, going, God, i got to get back to that journey with Christ. See what happens? Sometimes we get offended. Sometimes we get hurt. We get our feelings hurt. I've been offended. My feelings have been hurt. I felt like quitting many times in 25 years of ministry. You feel like, I'm done. God said, you're not done. Get back in there. Porcupines, they hurt, but keep loving them. And sometimes that's how we have to have the attitude, okay, that person hurt me. I don't think they really meant that. They're acting in their humanness. They weren't acting in the spirit of God. But in our humanness, we hurt each other sometimes. And that's a real church. And sometimes, I want to tell you, it's happened here. We do our best to try to love and try to work through and try to repair and try to work through them. But it's not a perfect world, folks. It's not. And so if you're looking for a perfect church, I would encourage you not to come back. Sorry, it's just the truth. I'm allowed to say that because I've been preaching now for a long time. Just kidding. This is why growth groups are so important. It's why it's so important. Say, so what's a growth group? Well, it meets weekly, most of them meet in homes. There's a couple that meet here at the church building. They meet weekly, and they do exactly what I'm talking about at Acts 2. They meet together, and they, they study what we call a growth guide. You'll see that on your chair. It'll be a growth guide with some Bible study questions you take home. You can do that as your own personal time, and then you take that to your growth group, and you study together, and you love together, and you serve together, and you eat together. I mean, I say you eat together, and you eat together, and you fellowship, and you have fun, and you laugh, and you get to build some friendship, and they live out what I've been talking about. And so we're in our sign-up period right now, and if you say, I want to be plugged into a church. What a great way to be plugged into a church. You plug into a growth group. The table's out there. You look at a night and talk to maybe some of the leaders. You're not sure, well, which one do I get involved in? Can you make any suggestions? I can make suggestions. If you want to, just ask me. I'll be glad to help you out. During this series of messages, I told you, I don't want you to just hear from me and say, well, that sounds all good. And so every Sunday we've been having a different testimony during this month and been asking different people. And I'd love to know your story and your testimony. My goal is we have a testimony at least once a month throughout this year. And everybody has a story. A testimony is just your story of what God's done in your life. And if we can practice doing that here amongst a friendly crowd, then we're much more likely to be able to share it out there in this world And so today I've asked Mike Plowman to come. Mike started coming to our church a few years ago, and got to know Mike in our small group. It's a great story, and so Mike's going to come right now and, and share his story of God's work in his life, and what you hear from Mike could be your friend, or it could be even possibly your life. Hello, everybody. Mike Plowman.
1: Sit back in that booth. I look at the back of your head's. I know who gets up on time and takes your time, and I see the ones that rush by looking at the back of your heads. But hey, you're here. It's all that matters. (laughs) Start with this. Philippians 121 says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Um, As a wee little fellow, um, I grew up, never stepped foot in church. Parents never talked about church. I even avoided church. If a friend wanted me to spend night and said, hey, we're going to church Sunday, you want to go? Ah, Man, my belly hurts. Better not. Better stay home. Um, age 10, 11. it's when the world started turning upside down for me. Parents got divorced. Mom turned 18 again. Dad decided he would work his fingers to the bone, and I was running the streets one, two, three o'clock in the morning with with guys older my age trying to fit in, and even got picked up for uh, being out too late one time. Um, and that was during just one year of my life. Now being in Lexington, up in a little place in Ohio, that um, where that happened. And then last day of school, seventh grade. That's when uh, the world turned back around, and my grandmother was sitting outside in a minivan and said, I got your stuff, hop in, let's go home. Grandparents took on the the journey of raising another kid after doing two themselves. So I I hit hit, hit up running strong there. Had a grandfather who was in the Air Force for 20 years, so there was no problem with respect and treating people like you should. I got into the role of, I just want to be the man. I want to be looked upon. I want all the worldly things. I'm not worried about anything else. Got to the point where even that I would abuse my power with my mother because she lived in Lexington again, that I wanted to be the man in high school. It was my house. It was my parties. Where are we partying this weekend? We're going to be at Plowman's house, of course. And that led to underage drinking, craziness. That was that. And when high school ended, just like they say, All them people are just a number or somebody ran into your life. You'll never see them again. You'll have two or three you hang on to, and that's the truth. So I continue on my journey, and I didn't start my timer. So um, (laughs) I go on with life, and I hit my low of all lows when I decided that stealing from a company and selling product is what I need to do to be happy, to have more money, more things, And that's when I hit the all-time low of my life, and I actually met the best thing in my life at the same time, which was my wife Leslie. Um, Kudos to her for taking on that challenge. Holy moly! (laughs) So go through a couple years, get life back on track, and you know, get in this phase where I'm a good guy, I'm a good person. What else you need to be in life? A good person is a good person. That's what you should be. Um, So you know, now then the kids come, the house, white picket fence, stinky dogs, you know the whole thing. Life's great. And then that's when the wife hits me with, we should probably get the kids in church, you know. I'm thinking, honey, it's a great idea." How about this? Because as men, we, we like to kill two birds, one stone. I said, honey, go to church. I'm going to go play golf. We'll meet at lunchtime. Works out great. That worked for a couple weeks. <laughs> and that's where we ended up here thanks to GPS, messing up my wife's GPS and putting her at the church she was supposed to be at, but ended up in this parking lot. And she came home and said, it was great. You got to come. You got to try it out. She's like, the pastor said hi to me. I said, I didn't know pastors talk to people, but that's cool. (laughs) Sure. So we come, and I walk in. I sit back there for the next several weeks. Wife's like, you know, we can scoot up and sit closer. I'm like, honey, I got great eyesight. Let's Let's not mess things up. Give people a chance to get closer. And sat for a couple of weeks, and that's where the first verse, the first day here, which I think my wife slid the pastor, 20 bucks, said, please don't be in a big book. Let's not do Psalms. Make sure you're like, in the Philippians, that'd be a good book to do. It's not long. He'll, he'll listen. And that's where I heard the Philippians 121, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is game. Well, we get home, wife says, what'd you think? I said, well, it's okay to die, but I don't want to die. I don't know about this. So we come back, sit, and that's when being back there sitting, that's when the whole growth, growth, uh, growth groups talk started happening. And I could see in the wife's eyes, let's do it, it'd be fun. But she didn't say nothing, she knew, she, I didn't want to hear it. So one time I walked in, sat down next to her, I said, honey, I walked past the table, and I signed us up, let's see what it's about. That's when at the age of 31, I had my first Bible. Opened it. And I said, I think I need to take this back and get the kids' version. This makes no sense. <laughs> so it, uh, that's when growth groups started, you know, hitting. Um, 2014, the beginning, grandmother got cancer. And sitting there in that hospital room, March 11, 2014, this p- preacher came in, never met him. He said a prayer. He leant down and whispered something in her ear, which I never to this day know what it was. But I know something there was working because the peaceness that came over her and the settlement that just let her go to heaven was just amazing. That's what, that was a part that just hit me like, there's more missing. I'm missing something in my life. What is it? So then going through with growth groups for a couple of weeks, uh, actually sitting down with Brian, I think his artwork is actually really what pushed me over the edge, that I was really missing something. So sitting in growth group one afternoon, the question was asked, Mike, what are you thinking? And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, it's time. I'm, I, I need to give my life to Christ. Let's do this. Uh, Brian, I was going to turn the bathtub on and drown me then that night, but I said, no, <laughs> let's wait a week. I, yeah, I got some people... I got some family and friends that I think need to see this because that was kind of my, my fine line there was, man, you know, my two or three buddies I've had for years, what are they going to think? You know, am I going to lose the friendship? And still to this day, those guys are my friends. They sit beside me. The, the people in growth group had a great touch. Um, it's amazing. Phil Horn, I don't know what happened 34 years ago, but we should have been Siamese these twins, just saying. I don't know what happened. But now, since then, vision is I love when God challenges me, when He puts a young man or a gentleman my age in front of me that is exactly the way I was. The, I'm the man, nothing, I don't need anything else additional in my life. And I, men, I can promise you this there is nothing more powerful sitting in your living room floor with a 10, a 7, and a 5 year old and hearing them read out of their Bible. The vision is our kids. So I end, Philippians 121, for to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Thank you, guys.
0: You know, Mike, <clears throat> you know he still is the man. <laughs> now he's just the man with Christ. It's fun, fun family to be around and hang out with. Micah has been very helpful in many aspects of this church as he's turned over his life to Christ. Let me ask you a question to think about. When someone walks in this front door for the first time, what do you think they're looking for? I and mean, what comes to your mind? A lot of times people will come to your mind maybe is, well, they're, they're looking to see, well, is the preaching any good? Maybe. Is a children's ministry program any good? Possibly. Are the, are the singers in tune? Can they sing a good... Yeah, some, some wonder that. Are they friendly? That probably even goes deeper. The truth is they start looking for, can I make relationships here? There's some studies that have come out very recently that have said that they've studied people who have been at a church for six months and stayed and those who were at church for six months and left. And the bottom line is this, someone comes to the church for six months, that they leave within the first six months, it's because they didn't make any friendships. And if they stuck around, they made some friendships. See, at the core of life, what people want is they want to be accepted and want friendship. And then in friendship, we can introduce them to Jesus. You say, oh, Brian, that's not true. Let, let me ask you something. How many in here are on a Facebook group for Masterson Station Neighborhood? Raise your hand. Raise your hand high. Okay, there's, there's several. And there were several in first service. How many of you saw the post this week that a lady put on there that said, I'm looking for some friends, some couples. Does anybody else desire that? We want to have a gathering. Who saw that? So my wife pointed that out to me. And when I got on it, there was over 150 comments of people who said, I love to do that. I love to get together. I need friends. We need, a, we need a couple. We need friendship. Church, we have a huge opportunity in that. Because those people live right on our streets. And if you're not in Master Sensation, what happened in Master Sensation this past week is happening in McConnell's Trace, and it's happening in Westwood, and it's happening in Marehaven, and it's happening in apartments on the street. People all over this society are looking for friendship. They're looking for some people just to have some friends, to share a burger with, to play some cards with, to play a board game with, just to be a friend. And we start praying for those friends. And as God opens the door, we start having conversations of meaning and of purpose about things of life, like spiritual matters, because we enter into a a friendship. See, we were created for community. The the journey of life, of faith, is often trying and difficult and painful. And life is discouraging and there's relentless temptation. And there's burdens and unanswered questions and rejection. Little wonder God has given us a family of God, a fellowship of believers. It is an absolute essential source of strength and guidance. We need it. And so do our friends who we're going to try to reach this year. And so as you reach your friend, don't think I'm going to reach him and just try to convert them to christianity you're going to reach a friend and love them into a body of community that's just learning to love and walk and pursue god with all of our heart and all of our mind all of our soul and all of our strength bow your heads with me heavenly father god would you just get all over us today your spirit God, would you give us a heart of brokenness for people who are not walking with you? And God, that's all over the place. People who are struggling their walks, people who don't know you, people who just are difficult. Father, just give us a heart to love people, to be their friend, and to gently and kindly, by your Spirit, point them towards steps with Jesus. Father, help us to carry the message of truth that God, you sent your Son to die and that whoever believes in Him can have everlasting life. Father, we thank you that community is made possible with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection made it possible for us to be in unity and in community with you, God. Lord, help us to be people that will go to the cross for our friends, that will lay down our lives for our friends. God, thank you that you are a friend of sinners. Father, we now just honor you and we praise you and we thank you as we receive communion. We just worship you. Father, I pray for the people in this room, maybe that need community, they need friendship with God, we'll help them cross that line of faith. Jesus, we praise you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.